0: Good morning. We would like to welcome you to our service of worship this morning. Please stand and join me in the call to worship as we begin our service together. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O oh Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You are ruler of all In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all.
1: Thank you for all that you have done for us, particularly what you've done for us in Christ. We are in awe of who you are, of what you've done, and of what you've promised for each of us. Father, we pray that our worship will truly reflect the joy and praise in our hearts. Be glorified in all that we do today. Draw us closer to you through your Holy Spirit. We pray this through Christ Jesus.
2: Amen.
1: It's great to see all of you as we gather for worship today. I want to invite you to take a moment and share a word of greeting with others who are here this morning in worship.
2: Good morning. As you know, uh, we had a group that went to Love Buffalo this past year, and Love Buffalo, or this past week, sorry, there were 20 of us from, 20 students from our church, and we combined with Fillmore, so there were maybe 28 or so, so we could share transportation and resources, and we spent the week on the west side of Buffalo scraping and painting houses and trying to bless people that were there. You can see here some examples of that, and uh, it was hard work, uh, the kids did a fantastic job. They worked hard. And uh, we took the opportunities that we had as we had gathered and talked about the reasons that we serve. And, you know, we talked about the fact that God has been so gracious to us and has done so much for us that out of that gratitude, we serve others and we do what we can to help. And your students were excellent. They served with joy, with energy, and with excellence. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic week. Uh, And we had the opportunity at different times to pray with some of the homeowners and just to ask God's blessing on them, to give them a Bible, to sign it, and say, you know, we just just to pray for them. And just a really excellent week. You can be really proud of your students. I am grateful for your prayers for us as we did this, for the safety that we had, and and, uh, please continue to pray for our young people. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, John. And we do want to continue to pray for them and the ministry, ongoing ministry of their time in Buffalo. Uh, There are a few things I want to highlight that are in your bulletin, The Life of the Church. Uh, We are in the middle of Summer Sabbath, so again, next Sunday we gather for one worship service at 10 o'clock. There are some other announcements in here. Uh, Saturday is the Amazing Grace Road Rally, and you can sign up this morning for that. If uh, you're not ready to sign up today, just contact the church office uh, sometime this week and we will uh, make sure you get the information you need. We'd love to have you be a part of this gathering. I think it'll be a fun event uh, on Saturday. Also, we have family directories available if you haven't received yours yet. Again, you can contact the church office about that. Either call, give a call or send an email. Uh, there are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, uh, things related to, uh, particularly to us here and uh, people connected to us. And we continue to pray for those who are grieving as well as those who are in need of healing and, and other issues. That are related to our lives. Uh, we also want to think about the rest of the world. And so this morning we want to continue as we do each week praying about the persecuted church. And particularly this morning praying for the, the women of Pakistan. Who uh, have been and seemingly are continually being abducted. And we want to pray for uh, rescue for them and an end to uh, this horrific practice. We also want to pray about some needs locally. So we want to remember the Fillmore Powerhouse and Youth for Christ In our general area. And also connected to us more locally is Royal Family Kids Camp. I've just completed the camp for this year. It's been an exciting uh, week. John Van Wicklin is going to share just briefly about uh, this year's camp and also introduce our guest speaker for this morning as he uh, he will come later to share with us uh, the Word of God.
3: Thank you, Wes. I have about four things I I want to do so I'm going to do them all very briefly and I certainly don't want to cut into uh, any of our our guest speaker's time today but uh, the first uh, for those few of you may not are here for the first time or have not been here before when we've talked about Royal Family, Royal Family Kids Camp is a a camp for uh, children from very challenging family circumstances referred to us from Allegheny County Social Services for the most part and we give them a week of um, positive memories surrounded by Christian role models uh, in the cathedral of the outdoors, um, up at Camp Asbury, and uh, we just returned, and we had a great week. And there are many people here um, that are a part of that. We have 80. We had 82 volunteers for these 52 kids that were up there during that week, um, and and so are, many of them are here today and can tell you uh, many wonderful stories about camp. We we took 52 kids. Um, they came through the um, community room and got registered, and then we took them by bus up to camp. Uh, 51 were here right at 9 o'clock, so they had an hour wait. They were all here on time or early, and they had an hour wait for the bus to leave at 10, so that was quite a challenge to manage. But uh, one was driven by um, the um, uh, social services director in Indian Lake uh, for Hamilton County who drove uh, one of our campers five and a half hours, or five hours, all the way over to Camp Asbury, um, which was quite a commitment for this little girl to go to our camp. Um, I, I'm very impressed with the leadership team that we have. Uh, my job as director has been really easy, especially during the week of camp, because there's so many people that take over in so many wonderful, creative ways. And uh, one that I would just highlight this morning is, is our curriculum team, Um and uh, James and Drees um, uh, Mullen and Jess Mullen on music and uh, Doug Gardie, uh, uh directing Breakfast Club, and then they had a team of people who joined them, some first-year people, um, also people who came from, from all over, from Washington State, from Colorado. Two counselors returned. They had moved out to, to uh, Pasadena, California. They flew in for the week to be uh, counselors to these kids. And uh, some, some from Virginia, some from Vermont, um, as well as people more locally. But anyway, it was a great, a fun week. A wonderful family of people uh, with these w- w- that give these kids this a great week. Started out a little rainy, kind of like today. Uh, but by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we were clicking right along. Had great weather, uh, particularly for our carnival day. And so it was just a wonderful week. Uh, and back to the curriculum for a second. Uh, they had many creative ideas. Uh, uh, I see... Doug in a new way as a, a sly wolf luring sheep away uh, from the, from the, the sheepfold. Uh, he's got a crafty mind. Um, or he's just a good actor. But, um, and uh, James and Doug and uh, Isaac Pelletier um, uh, did a little thing on called Sheep Nation, uh, which kind of was a takeoff on Duck Dynasty. And uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, and just seeing James close each session in prayer Uh, with his beard and uh, telling us we're going to get our bellies full pretty soon at lunch and stuff like that, but I think God heard those prayers, but it was a a great week, a lot of fun, a lot of positive memories. Um, We are going to plant a a tree. We plant a tree every year, and uh, we have 19 trees up at Camp Asbury. One of them, one of our early trees, uh, we give them names, first the names that uh, we'd like the kids to have, and uh, then... Uh, after we ran out of those, after uh, for a while, we, we came up with some other names, qualities of God and stuff. And for, for recently, we've had families uh, at our camp name these various trees. Uh, one uh, from I think 1998 uh, was named Faithfulness. Well, Faithfulness died. Um, <laughs> you know. And uh, I I left that up to James to figure out how he's going to. We, we re- replanted Faithfulness. Uh, we have a nice little tree up there, and and uh, it's it's a um, I guess faithfulness is a quality of God that not even tree can fully represent. Okay, let's put it that way. Um, but we planted a tree up there, but our, we decided that our 20th tree, we wanted to plant down here at, at the Houghton Wesleyan Church on the children's playground. And so the picture you see is that tree, it is about 13, 14 feet tall. It has a 500-pound root ball. And, uh, and, and Brian Sayers, the tree doctor from Clarence, uh, he's give, donated all our trees, and he drove it down And uh, yesterday morning. And uh Brian and I, we used to be able to slide something like that off a trailer when we were in our 40s. We both went one through three, and it didn 't move you know and uh, so I had to get my my uh, pickup truck out and, and get some you know help and We slid it off the trailer and then by that time, Jamie Mullen came along as well, and three of us we had one shot to get it in the hole or it's going to stay right where it was you know so uh, anyway it 's out there if it 's not raining uh, we're going to um, be out there and and put the dirt in and finish off and have a ceremony, but we have a contingency plan. Any, any of you in this church, even if you're visiting and uh, have not been a part in any way of royal family, you're welcome, after, right after the service, we're going to meet down in the gym or the community room and we'll at least see the tree and uh, James will preside over a ceremony um, uh, to plant that tree. Uh, it has a name for only one. We'll, we'll uh, convey that significance of that during that ceremony, but it'll be a brief ceremony, but we will, and, and uh, James collected Little memories of things. Uh, some of these kids want to leave behind, uh, or little mementos, and we've always done that. Let the kids put some some memory um, that they want to leave behind at camp, a bad memory perhaps, or a fear or something. And so those will be planted in that tree as well. And it'll as James said at our at our other ceremony, the replanting ceremony on Friday, uh, he hopes that 300 years from now that tree will be there, and uh, um, you know, long after we're gone. So. Uh, or maybe it'll die after the thunderstorm today. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. Um, another thing I want to say briefly, and then I want to introduce Wayne to you as well um, so you know a little bit about him. Uh, we are having a change into the Guard. Uh, we have new co-directors coming on for next year. Uh, I'm stepping down as director. Um, I, I want to quell any rumors. So I'm not fired. Um, and, and I'm not retiring from Houghton yet, uh, so don't start applying for my job. Okay, but... Um, I, I, Wayne actually uh, suggested this to me, that if you really want that camp to survive, you just can't wait to the year you get sick or quit or move or something like that, because that has happened in many of the camps, and they've, even a 20-year camp has shut down because they couldn't get a director in place soon enough. And I never want to disappoint these kids that way. So I said, let's start proactively, and uh, fortunately uh, this past year, Two of our people stepped up to the plate, a 10-year counselor and a 15-year counselor that have been with us, and, and our advisory board unanimously approved them. And I will be meeting with them in August and assist them in every way possible through this coming year to make a good transition. And I hope, my wife and I hope to still be a part of camp uh, for a, a long time to come. But we want to see it go on to the next generation and, uh, and, and never end. And say so that's much more important than, than who directs it. But uh, is Nancy here? I don't see. Is she's right here? Okay, stand up, Nancy, just so you can see. Nancy's there, and is Zach here? Okay, I don't. There he is. Okay, Zach and Nancy are your co-directors for next year, so please give them your support. <laughs> now, just just a few words about uh, Wayne Tash, uh, the founder of Royal Family Kids. Uh, he he was an associate pastor in in. Uh, uh, Costa Mesa Christian Center and somebody came to him and said, uh, you know, had a burden She said, what are, you gonna, what are we doing for the abused and neglected children of Orange County? And uh, he said, I don't know that we're doing anything as a church and uh, he says, but well, I run camps, maybe we can run a camp. So they, they did a camp with 37 kids and a lot of mistakes and problems, but enough to survive and do a second year and a third year and then some people came up and said, well, I want to start a camp too and then they realized they they may have a ministry here if they got proactive and went around the country starting developing camps all over. And that's what they did. They stepped out in faith uh, and devoted their lives to developing these camps. Uh, today there are uh, over 200 camps this, this summer operating all around the world. In Africa and uh, uh, Chile and um, uh, Australia and, and we have one in Russia. And uh, there are, there are it, and, and so, tens of thousands of kids have had this opportunity since 1985. Um, the way it started here is uh, Wayne asked if he could come speak at at Houghton College, and and I had we were childhood friends, but for about 20 years we he was on the west coast, I was here, and I didn't know much about what he was doing. So he came and he spoke about royal family, and uh, and as a result of that, we uh, we did get one started here back in 1995, and this is our 20th year of doing a camp, and uh, he's here primarily because he, this is the kind of person he is. He came off from California because it's our 20th year, and he wants very much to, um, to thank us. And by us, I mean uh, not me, we're friends, but, but this church, because it takes a church, it takes a team, it takes 82 people working with his kids. It takes Zach and Maria, who are prayer partner coordinators, they got over 150 prayer partners uh, to pray all week and probably beyond that for these kids. And uh, it's got a very important spiritual dimension to it. And so um, it's, it's just been a, a great thing. And I, I'd say there's probably no person has had more of a positive spiritual impact on my life than Wayne. Seeing, seeing what he's been able to do over the years and to be a friend with him has, has been a privilege. Uh, he also, because he didn't want to see his ministry uh, dry up, he proactively started seeking he says i 've got a few more years I could do this, but I want to find somebody and so he 's also put somebody in place now who 's now the president of Royal Family Kids Incorporated, which is, oversees both camps and clubs and mentoring processes uh, and he 's assumed the role of president for the uh, for the Children Foundation, which provides financial support and uh, represents royal family around the country and so that 's what he and Diane are doing. Uh, as well, But later on when he comes to speak, I just want you to know a little bit about him. And uh, he's a very... Per- 10,000 people think he's their best friend. He's a very personal individual, and, and, and he's probably already talked with 30 people today since he came here. And, uh, and, and what you want to be careful of is do not have lunch with Wayne. He has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> Thank you, John. It seems
1: appropriate that... Um, as we talk about what's happening with the uh, students who went to Buffalo, trying to uh, improve the conditions there, connect with people, we hear from the royal family trying to connect into people's lives. That it, it seemed appropriate that we sing together this hymn for the beauty of the earth, not just about the moon and the stars and the creation, but about what God does in people. And so I want to invite you to stand. And uh, take your hymnals, turn to number 33 as we sing together. Join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. God of glory, you sent Jesus among us as the light of the world to reveal your love for all people. We confess that our sin and pride hide the brightness of your light. We turn away from the poor. We ignore cries for justice. We do not strive for peace. In your mercy, cleanse us of our sin and baptize us once again with your Spirit that forgiven and renewed, we may show forth your glory, shining in the face of Jesus Christ as we hear the words of Jesus. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. Amen. Please be seated.
4: Our Old Testament reading this morning is out of Ecclesiastes. Feel free to follow along on the screen or in your Bible if you'd like. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 7 through 12. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them fails or uh, falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord. Now I invite you to stand with me and today we'll sing the uh, the doxology a cappella. So please stand as the ushers come forward. Praise God from all blessings. are extended out with the gifts that we bring to you. It's all yours. We ask you to take this as a sign of our adoration for you, multiply it around the world in ways we'll never know. But we love you this morning. We say thank you, and we give to you this. Amen. Be seated, please.
0: is an everlasting kindness you lavished on us. When the radiance of heaven came to rescue the lost, you called the sheep without a shepherd to leave their distress. For your streams of forgiveness and the shade of your with compassion for the hurting. You reached out your hand as the lame ran to meet you and the dead breathed again. You saw behind the eyes of sorrow and shared in a With us, We stood beneath the cross of Calvary and gazed on your face At the thorns of oppression and the wounds of disgrace For surely you have borne our suffering and carried our grief As you pardoned the scoffer and showed grace to the thief How beautiful the feet that carry this gospel of peace to the fields of injustice and the valleys of need to be a voice of hope and healing, to answer the cries of the hungry and helpless with the mercy of Christ.
1: God who is compassionate to us that we offer our prayers. If you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come today in gratitude for who you are and for your grace and mercy upon us. We pray, Father, that you will give us an increasing passion to know you, to be known by you, to be shaped in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we know that there are many of us and many in our lives who are groaning about the difficulties of life that just seem to continually confront us. In this moment of silence, we give every burden on our hearts into your loving care. Father, thank you for hearing us. We pray for our world today. We thank you for your love and compassion toward our needy world. We pray that you will rescue all who are enslaved, that you will protect children and the most vulnerable from harm. Where evil reigns, bring it down. Where goodness is desired, lift it up. We pray especially today for the ministry of the Fillmore Powerhouse and Southern Tier Youth for Christ. We pray also for our brothers and sisters around the world who are ministering your grace. And we think particularly of those who are facing persecution, especially these women in Pakistan who are abducted. We pray for your healing grace for your power to be revealed in this moment of silence hear our prayers Father we pray that you will continue to work in us As a church, we pray that the DNA of this congregation will be yours. The DNA of love and truth, of compassion and grace, of mercy and justice. Father, we thank you for your work in us and among us. We offer all of our prayers today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who leaves us the model for prayer. That we now pray together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts.
4: A New Testament passage is out of the book of Mark, second uh, chapter. It is verses 1 through 12. And I'll ask you to stand with me as we read this together. Follow along with me and uh, remain standing for the hymn that follows. And at that point, the children may be dismissed for children's church. Hear the word of the Lord. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this this is the word of the lord
5: may be seated. The music was marvelous. Just marvelous. Thank you very much for that. 20 years. 20 years of a lot of work. 20 years of a lot of tears. 20 years of doing something great in the kingdom of God. 160 prayer partners praying. People say, what's the best thing that ever happened at Royal Family? I always say it's God's people that pray for the children that are unseen in our community. The best thing that can happen are prayers of faith for children. Pastor, I have something that I have to give to you on behalf of the church. For 20 years, I go around the country, and this is what I do. And at Royal Family Kids Honors Houghton Wesleyan Church, For 20 years of ministry to children of abuse, abandonment, and neglect through royal family kids, this church has modeled the mandate of James 127 to care for orphans in distress. You have bound up the brokenhearted, and you've carried them in your arms. Be encouraged to continue his good works, to extend his hand of blessing in your community, to the least of these in the kingdom. God bless you. Thank you very much, church. Thank you. This is an incredible church, and I'm so glad that my childhood friend, John, has spent the 20 years. As Zach said as he came to our training in California, he said, I can see the fingerprints of John in all of this training. And what this church has done is afforded me an opportunity to work with a friend. And we have expanded this ministry to 200 camps. We have 10,500 adult volunteers who work with children in the Cathedral of the Outdoors. We have 6% of all the children in foster care between the ages of 6 and 12, attending a camp somewhere in the United States. We're thrilled with that, and you're a part of that. Your church has trained over 24 camps that are doing exactly what you're doing in other states and in other countries of, of, our, of, of the world. Uh, I look at that, and it always happens because God speaks to someone. Someone says... I'll do it. And then everybody begins to rally around, and before long, you have a family. A family that ministers together. I saw those pictures of Love Buffalo, and I could not help myself, but I say this all the time. I go fishing with some of my friends, I go hunting with some of my friends, I love lunch with some of my friends. But when you minister for a week with your friends, there's no greater feeling than to feel as though you're giving in Christ's name. So John, thank you for 20 years of service and what that has meant in this community. I just wish you Godspeed. I had a little boy come up to me. It was in the state of Michigan. He comes running up to me and he goes, Pastor Tesh, me and Jesus, we've got a lot in common. Now, I've been in ministry for a long time and I never heard a little boy say me and Jesus have a lot in common. And I said, really? Tell me, what's that? He said, we both have foster dads by the name of Joseph. That got me to thinking. I come from a Traditional family. My mom and dad were married 53 years. My wife's parents were married for 62 years. Diane and I, we've been married for 94 years. 47 (laughs) for her and 47 for me. And um, we were just... I grew up in a family, so I never really looked at that perspective before. I went to Cudahy, Wisconsin, and there was a Catholic church... And it was a Protestant church bought the diocese. And there was lovely glass stained windows, stained glass windows. And the first one on the left-hand side, when you walked in the back door, showed a picture of Joseph. And it said, Joseph, foster father of Jesus. Got me thinking. How many heroes of the faith grew up in homes other than traditional homes? And I realized that Moses, as you go through scripture, he was the f- first recorded adoption in Exodus. And that is where, think about this, an Arab adopted a Jewish boy. That is kind of crazy, isn't it, in today's world? And then you look at Hannah bringing Samuel, in first Samuel, to Eli. And Eli was even though he was the priest of the temple, his family was pathetic. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, that were the teen rebels of the community. They had a side business where they would sell the meat from the altar to people. They were just corrupt. But yet, in God's wisdom, he places Samuel into that chaotic family. And once a year, mom would come only like a Jewish mom could probably do and say, oh, Samuel, my son, here's the robe I worked all year to build, uh, make for you. And someday, someday you're going to be a great prophet. I know it, I can see it. Comes back the next year, oh, Samuel, here's a robe that I've made. And someday, Samuel, you're going to be a great prophet. And can you imagine what Hophni and Phineas, all the cutting and uh, put down experiences that Samuel had to go through, but yet God did something great there. I think of Meshibabeth, who was born crippled, a son of Saul. And when David took over, he wanted Meshibabeth to come into, the kingdom, into his kingdom, and he stines and sits at the table of David. Meshibabeth probably thought he was going to be killed because that, that's what usually would happen. But David extended grace. And Mashibabeth grew up in a palace. I think of Timothy. Who was raised by a grandma. <laughs> grandma Lois. And his mother Eunice. Without a dad. But Paul saw something in him. And something great happened. And that was the family of God. None of them were involved in a great family, supposedly. But God did something incredible during those moments. That got me thinking, what am I supposed to be doing? And I said, maybe I need to bring people to Jesus. Bring them to this family. Let them experience what God's love is all about in the cathedral of the outdoors, surrounded by people who have hope and healing that they can share with children and their lives can be transformed. I said, man, I can do that. So this is the scripture. Imagine with me now. You've got to imagine. You've got to think this through now because we're going to go through this. And there's a lot of things we're going to be talking about just in telling the story. But imagine with me. A knock at the door. Four men are outside and there's a voice that comes within that says, come on in. The four men open, their, open the door and they walk in and they say, guess what, friend? Jesus is in town. And when Jesus is in town, great things begin to happen. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, and yes, the lame can walk and we're taking you to Jesus. So they picked him up on a stretcher. And they begin to walk down those narrow streets of Capernaum, and they come to the house that is packed because Jesus is speaking there. And they come to a dead end. They say, "Now what are we going to do?" This isn't in Scripture, but uh, they're probably saying, "Now what are we going to do?" And they put them down, and they probably have a little holy huddle, and they say, oh, I, I, and "One of them comes up with this great idea. Why don't we take them up on the roof?" And when we put them up on the roof, okay, and. They come and they announce their friend, guess what? We're taking you up to the roof. This isn't in scripture either, but <laughs> you've got to imagine with me. So they pick him up. And it's like an like e-ride, you know? It, can you imagine him walking up the stairs with the stretcher? The poor guy, it's a white-knuckle ride. He's just hanging on for dear life, wondering if he is ever going to make it. What are my friends doing for me? And they get up on the roof and they say, put them down. They probably have another little holy huddle. And one of them comes up with the idea and says, you know what? What we're going to do, we're going to dig a hole in the roof. Now, they come back and they say, guess what? Don't worry. We're going to dig a hole in the roof. And um, pretty soon they begin to dig a hole in the roof. Pretty soon dust begins to fall on Jesus' head. Just like snow back here. Pretty soon, some great big dirt clogs begin to fall. And Jesus being Jesus, he always moves because he's not going to get hit by the big ones. (laughs) He knows what's going on. The Jesus I serve, he knows everything. He knows when the big ones are coming and he just moves. I can see him. And people are just astounded as they're seeing hands coming through the roof. And they often... You know, they're probably saying, man, what's going on? Now, pastor, I've often wondered about this. How big of a hole do you make in a roof to let the parallel come down? Do you let them come down vertically? (laughs) Do you let them down horizontally? They could have just dropped him. He was going to be healed anyways, but they didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that at the time. That wasn't part. That wasn't part. Of what was happening. All of a sudden, they begin to lower the man on the mat. And he comes down in front of Jesus. And when you come in front of Jesus, great things begin to happen. All of a sudden, he's saying, wow, when you're in the presence of Jesus your soul is lifted. When you're in the presence of Jesus, you, you have hope and you have a purpose. And he just realizes this is gonna be the day. This is gonna be the hour. This is gonna be the moment when I am gonna be able to walk again. And Jesus being Jesus, he looks at him and he said, friend, I say unto you, arise. Arise from your past. Arise from your pain. Arise from a mind that has you so paralyzed that you cannot comprehend or understand the goodness that God has. Arise. I've often wondered, I've often wondered with those men over there just thinking, what is going on? And Jesus takes care of first things first. And all of a sudden, I've often said to myself, what would happen if I was up on the roof and I was looking down and I saw my dear friend stand up? What would you do? I know what I would do. Jump through the hole in the roof. I'd go up to my friend and just hug him. Just really hug him. Then I go up to Jesus and I give him a high five. (laughs) Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And what I think is interesting is that it was so packed with people they could not come in. All of a sudden, it opened up as he picked up his stretcher. And he probably had a little New York (sighs) strut as he went on home. And I've often wondered, this isn't in scripture either, Pastor, but I've often wondered, because I'm a camp guy, you keep things clean, I've often wondered, who fixed the hole in the roof? (laughs) I imagine the next day, there is a knock at the door. Instead of a voice saying, come on in, there is a man that went to the door and opened it. Instead of four men walking down those dusty streets of Capernaum, there's now five. And instead of four men carrying a stretcher, there are now five men and they're carrying their toolkits. And instead of four men walking up those steps, there's five men that ascend those stairs. And there they take with fresh mud and palm fronds. And I imagine the man that was healed by Jesus took his finger and wrote in that fresh mud, I came through the roof, was healed by Jesus, signed his name and put the date, and someday some archaeologists just may find it. <laughs> Folks, they're over. Two million reported cases of child abuse in America today. Eighty-five percent of the children who are involved in sex trafficking in our nation come from the foster care system. One out of every three men, one out of every four, one out of every three women, one out of every four to six men have come from a background of abuse. And we are lying on the stretcher. And the only thing that we can do is take them to Jesus. Because when we take them to Jesus, great things begin to happen. Their mind is renewed. Their heart is restored. They're able to see things differently. The scales fall off their eyes as they begin to understand what this dimension of compassion and love is about and why we choose Jesus rather than what the world has to offer. Something great happens when we're able to bring people to Jesus. And that little child is right there. For the last 25, 30 years, Diane and I have been doing Just that, trying to bring as many people to Jesus as we can. We don't do it ourselves. We enlist other stretcher bearers, men and women like yourself, who can carry people, children, in prayer. Children who have a difficult time in life. Who in Psalm 40 describes them, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings and he put within my heart a new song. One week at camp, a new song gives birth in children's hearts. And you've been doing this for 20 years, you've been carrying children to Jesus. And how you do it, and the love, and how you communicate. As one little boy said to me, he's now in his 30s. He said, When I was a little boy, I went to this one camp. I didn't know what it was called, I didn't understand what was taking place, but I knew that I just loved it because I saw. Genuine love and smiles and laughter with the adults. I had never seen that ever before. And he said, I wanted, I wanted that in my life. That was a picture that was snapped in my mind. And I said, someday when I'm an adult, whatever they have, I'm going to have. He said, I'm now 35. I've been married. I have my first child. It's a girl. It's the first child that is born to my family in three generations that will not be involved with drugs from from the womb. He said, the smiles on adults' faces gave me hope. And that's what you do. You carry people to Jesus. Yes, when you play with them in the pool. When you sit down as one little boy uh, said, i like to pray for my meals now. Foster parents said to me, said, I just want you to know I'm not much of a Christian. I didn't understand what was going on. And this kid came home and he said, I'd like to pray for the meal now. And he started to pray. She said, I know it's a, fad it won't last long said three months later he's still praying for his meals and um, it's real to him and I said I think I need to go where he found hope and that's why I'm here at church today I just happened to be at that church that Sunday it's amazing what God does and you, if you haven't seen a miracle as they say Go to a week of camp and you'll experience miracle after miracle after miracle. It is just so exciting to be a part of. I just, from the bottom of my heart, say thank you. Thank you for taking care of children who have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets, children who hide under their beds in fear and whose nightmares are real. Children who have been beaten with two-by-fours, whipped with bicycle chains, burned with cigarette butts, whose nightmares are real, thank you for giving. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being a stretcher-bearer. Father, what a joy it is to be able to just say thank you to your people who understand what it is to make a difference in the world in which they live by taking a week of their vacations and give it so unselfishly to the least of these, to the children of our world. Father, I pray that the seeds that have been planted in children, they'll grow in good soil. And Lord, I pray that what you do with the adults who have come and who have given, that you'll encourage their lives, lift their spirits, let them see what you see as the church of Jesus Christ becomes a stretcher bearer. Because we all know, Lord, that someday we too will be on that stretcher, whether it's through death, divorce, discouragement, drugs, disability, we too will be lying on that stretcher. And we'll need to have the community of faith take us to Jesus. So Father, thank you for the community of faith and the DNA of this church of compassion and love and making a difference in the world in which we live. May you continue to bless them to be a blessing in all their endeavors. In Christ's name we say, amen.
0: Please stand and join us as we sing together. There is an everlasting kindness you lavished on us When the radiance of heaven came to rescue the lost You called the sheep without a shepherd to leave their distress For your streams of forgiveness and the shade of With compassion for the hurting, you reached out. this gospel of peace, to the fields of injustice and the valleys of need, to be a voice of hope and healing, to answer the cries of the hungry.